Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Marcos Orozco, 16 years of career experience, currently a backstep firefighter with Brighton Fire and Rescue in Colorado. Marcos has a strong, and I mean strong, passion for training and physical fitness, which to him then correlates to being able to do your job on the fire ground, which in turn is better for not only yourself, but your crew and the citizens we serve. Marcos drops some truth bombs that some may not like to hear, but may need to hear it. With that, I present Mr. Marcos Orozco. All right, cool. My name is Marcos Orozco, and um, how I got into the fire service, man, that's a good question. So I uh, actually went to college at Arizona State, wanted to do the physical therapy thing, got done with college, took me seven years to graduate. I was on the Van Wilder plan, had a little too much fun. Um, (laughs) Moved to South Beach and was bartending, having a blast, man, partying. And then after a couple of years of that, I was like, man, I probably should do a grown up thing. Don't want to be that 40 year old bartender, uh, bartending at the clubs anymore. And I always kind of wanted to be a fireman. My mom's best friend's husband, um, they had a daughter that was about my age. So we were always kind of hanging out together growing up and he was a fireman. So I think just seeing him and all that stuff, going to the station, stuff like that kind of interested me that way back when and then just when i decided hey i probably should do a grown-up job i knew i didn't want to do a desk job or anything like that and i was all about fitness and you know being physical and using my hands so i was like let's let's give it a shot and that's kind of how i started back in 2006 went to the fire academy in 2006 got hired in 2008 as a career firefighter in south florida okay um what department were you on at south florida if you're allowed to if you if, if you if you feel comfortable stating that yeah, no worries, man. Um, so I worked for a smaller department down in the Keys. Uh, that was the first place I applied, first place that I got hired in 2008. And as everybody knows, 2008, nobody was hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for them for eight years. Started thinking I was never going to be able to get out, man. I was applying all over the place, not getting hired. Um, and then finally, I got hired with a city department uh, a couple hours north of that in Palm Beach County area. I didn't work for Palm Beach County, but I worked in a city department in Palm Beach County. Uh, and that's where I was for the last seven years before I made the move to Colorado in January of 2023. Okay. So, um, how long were you on that department in uh, Florida for? Uh, eight and seven. So 15 total. 15 years. Yeah. I'll complete 16 years on the job in January. Okay. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, you then packed up and transitioned. So number one, what if you want to elaborate what transpired that and two, that's a big move to yeah. go from one department to another when you have so much tenure on your belt. So how yeah. did, like, what was that whole process? Like, because we have people that are thinking about it and are just like hesitant. Yeah. So like, if you can, if you can talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's, that's a question I get a lot lately. Um, so long story short or long story long, whatever, uh, my wife and I don't have kids. We're always traveling to the mountains, always to Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, stuff like that. And we were out in Colorado in September of 2022. 
checking stuff out. We got back to Florida. We like basically sat down like, what are we doing? We don't love Florida. We're not beach people. We don't love going on the water. Uh, the people aren't nice in South Florida. I'm from Texas originally, so I'm used to that Southern hospitality. She's from Pennsylvania where people are super nice. Um, I was working for a toxic department. Um, luckily, my crews were awesome, thankfully. Um, so I was sad to leave them. But as a whole organization, my last department was super toxic. And, you know, we're like, what are we doing? Let's 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 make the move. Let's try to make the move. And we thought we we're going to try to be out here by the end of 2023. Well, by November of 2022, she had a job offer. And I said, babe, let's let's go. I'll figure it out. You know, I got a lot of time. I, I got somewhat of a good experience. I'll figure it out. And by December, I flew out here, had three interviews, um, walked out of my first interview, already had a job offer, found a, a place to live, sold our house in a week, sold most of our big stuff, had a couple pods, shipped them out. And made the move, man. And like you said, uh, most people don't have, I guess some people call it having balls. Um, most people don't have the balls, man, to pick up and leave. Because um, everybody's chasing that pension, chasing that, you know, oh, I got to, you know, get get vested or I got to get in the drop or whatever like that. Man. And the life's too short to us to live somewhere we don't love. And also our career is even shorter. So why work somewhere where you're not happy, man? So I tell everybody that if even if you're even thinking about it, just do it, man, because you're not going to regret it. Nobody ever says, dang, I wish I hadn't left. You know, nobody ever says that. Once you leave and make that decision and actually get the cojones to say, F it, man, life's too short. I want to I want to be happy where I work and where I live. There's no looking back, man. Yeah, I miss the guys I work with. I miss my crew for sure. But not for one second do I regret this decision. And my wife will tell you the same thing. Okay. Um, and, and so currently you're, um, you're with, are you comfortable? Oh, I forgot to ask you, <laughs> are you comfortable okay. saying who you're with? Yeah. Yeah. I work okay. for Bright Fire District, just okay. Northeast or Northwest, uh, Northeast of Denver. We're just outside of Denver, man. Um, and it's a whole 180 degrees, uh, difference where I work now and where I used to work just the culture and the, the, from the, the chief who I always say is the best chief in the fire service that nobody knows about. Um, he's like, he is a beast. He's a stud and he has our backs and he's empowering. Um, I mean, they were covering my days to go out to teach at the Fort Lauderdale fire expo. I was teaching at the mile high conference with Basil and those guys, and they covered my days. I was just in Georgia, uh, for the Georgia smoke diver program as part of the cadre. They covered my days. And he, he told me, the chief told me, he's like, listen, I'll support you in anything you do to make not only our department better, but the fire service as a whole better. I mean, how freaking stand up is that? Like most people just care about their department and how can you make us better? But he he's all about making the entire fire service better. So it's 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 super refreshing working somewhere where you got like the backing of Absolutely. you know passionate people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you did this move at 45. Well, yeah, uh 40 yeah, I had just turned yeah, I was about to turn 46. Yep. 45 years old. 45 years old. Yep. Um, did you have to, when you got to Brighton, was it a full-blown recruit class or just a little orientation of how they do things there? So <laughs> they told me, they go, hey, uh, you're the first person we've hired from out of state. We don't really know mm -hmm. what to do with you um, with all my certs and stuff. Um, so they said, worst case scenario, you're going to have to go through a full academy. 
I said, good, let's do it. You know, that it's nothing like, you know, that whole, you don't got to get ready if you stay ready. It's kind of mm -hmm. cliche. I was like, yeah, let's send it. So as it works in the North area, there's like seven fire departments just North of Denver. What they do is they do a two week pre-academy. Each department has a two week pre-academy and then all, all the departments send everybody to the North area fire Academy together, which was the first time I've ever experienced that, which is kind of cool. So I ended up doing two weeks pre-academy and four weeks in the academy. So they finally kind of figured out, hey, if you take the Colorado instructor test, even though I was already like an instructor three in Florida and all that, if you take the Colorado one, it'll like supersede your Colorado fire one and fire two cert and you can get out. And okay. I was like, OK, at first I told him, no, man, I'm good. I'm going to I'm going to ride it out with my my guys and gals that I got hired with. Um, and I was kind of adamant about it. And then they came back and I'm like, hey listen, we hired you as a lateral. We need you. We need you to come out. I said, all right. So yeah, that's how I got out six weeks. Okay. Okay. But still, I mean, you, I mean, you know, six weeks, is not, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, a walk in the park. So still though, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's one of those things, 45, like, you know, you have, <laughs> you have guys that are like guys and gals that are in the twenties and their thirties. And they always tell you, Hey, you know, as you get older in age, you know, things get more challenging, but at 45, you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Send it. Yeah. I, I, like we had kids that were 18, 19 years old in my class. And I was, I was literally the oldest person in the class and in the entire NAFA Academy. But I was like, send it. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so you mentioned uh, toxicity, which we all know is is going on in departments around the country. And I mean, everybody has their limits. Everybody has their ways of, of, of coping with it, but the transition from talk toxicity to a department, you're like, this is great. How, how has that, I don't want to say change, but how has it elevated your, your, your feeling and your love towards the fire service now? Um, I don't think it's changed my feeling or love for the fire service because that was always inside me. And I always was trying to make a difference and trying to make it better within that little circumference of what I had uh, influence on or uh, inspiration of. But, you know, it does weigh on you. Like if the, the department's super negative and toxic, it, it weighs on you after a while. Right. Mm -hmm. So the thing that keeps kept me refreshed and stuff is going to conferences like you guys talk about all the time you know getting those batteries recharged doing that kind of stuff but now working for a department an organization that basically has our backs 100 it's i don't want to say it's like a weight lifted off the shoulders but it's just like i could just do my thing and i know i have the support of the organization and not have to worry about oh well is this gonna ruffle some feathers and not that i cared but I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. Right. And it's just amazing when you got the support and the backing of an organization that I was already all in, but now it's like times a hundred, right? right? You want to go through that brick wall, send it, let's go. You know, I'm not asking any questions. I mean, you know, being facetious of course, but right. It's just a night and day difference when you got the backing of an organization and, and from the chief all the way down, man, like I said, I, I was on well, I haven't mentioned it, but I was on probation, air quotes, on the job online for like a month. And I was just showing our crew some stuff that I'd been taught at George Smoke Diver. And our battalion chief came out because he's at that station. And 
he's like, Hey man, I like that a lot. I want, I'm going to bring all the crews in tomorrow. Cause we work four to eight ninety sixes here mm -hmm. he's like, and all the crews from all the stations. And you're going to teach them this like one month on the job as a Brighton fireman. And he's got me doing this. Like, I mean, that's freaking awesome. Like how awesome and empowering is that? Absolutely. No, I mean, that speaks volumes, you know, cause most of the time, you know, you have some where when you're on probation, you're, you're the new kid on the block. It's, you know, shut up, do what you're told, or yep. they're not even really going to ask you that because it's like, well, this individual needs to know his place and we need to evaluate him to see if he be, if he or she can become one of us. So right. now, I mean, you know, I, I've had uh chief uh, Philip Beeler on here yep. from Brighton yep. and talking to him, you can hear how his mindset is. So it, it it's yep. a testament to show how, how, you know, Brighton is, if, if that's your kind of, if that's the department you're, you're looking for those, the individuals you can think that you can drive with, man. I mean, it sounds like Brighton's a great place to be. Yeah, man. It's, it's all, I tell everybody, all my friends from Florida that are even thinking about, it, yo, man, I mean, we were just hired two more classes the last couple of months and I was like, apply, we're doing laterals, you know, from out of state laterals and stuff. So it's, it's, like I said, it's a little hidden gem right now. I think the word's getting out. Um, and like I said, man, Chief Garrison's the, the best chief probably in the country nobody knows about. Um, how different is it? Is it going from Florida to Colorado in terms of like snow and cold and weather, you know, because it's it's two different dynamics. Florida oh, yeah. gets super hot. And yeah, you do get your occasional cold, but nothing like Denver, I'm sure. No, so <laughs> Yeah, man. South Florida is hot and humid 11 months out of the year. Another reason why we moved. Uh, just miserable, right? And that was part of why I was I was always in gear every day, five, six days a week in Florida, just trying to stay acclimated to that heat and humidity, man, because that's an equalizer, right? You don't put your gear on for a month or two and all of a sudden you catch a fire, even a, a car accident and you're smoked. So that's part of the reason why I was always in gear. And then I moved to Flo uh, Colorado in January and it was cold. It had snow nine inches one day, another 12 inches, another day. And I'm doing my thing. And one, I had to get used to the elevation because we're a mile high. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So that, that took about six weeks before I felt good. Um, but okay. I just hit the ground running. Like I was working out every day, running literally just cause I knew I needed to get acclimated to that elevation. Cause you go from sea level to mile high. That's a whole nother game changer. But on the flip side, it was cold. So working out in gear was like cheating. Cause it's freezing outside. So I put on, sure. I'm all nice and toasty, you know, and like getting after it. So it was kind of like a give or take. Um, I haven't got to fight fire in snow yet. Cause okay. I started like February last set was my first set working in the snow. It was actually snowing, which is pretty awesome. Uh, having to shovel sidewalks at the station. I'm like a little kid smiling and just laughing about <laughs> all this. It's like, I was having a blast, man. Loving it, man. Loving it. Um, uh, like I said, I'm waiting to fight my first fire in the snow. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, I love the cold. I love it. Okay. All right. Um, what schedule did you work in Florida? 24, 48 with a Kelly day every three weeks. Okay. So personal question yeah. to you. It's a, it's a hot topic. So <laughs> what, what's your, since you've worked both yep. in your opinion, what's better or what has been better for you? So it kind of depends, right? So I came from an organization that was running 30,000 calls a year. Um, okay. I was always at the busiest station on the busiest uh, truck uh, to Brighton. They ran, I think, 7,000 calls last year. We're maybe going to hit eight this year, maybe. Okay. 
Okay. Um, so I love the 24 or 4896 right now here. I don't think I would like the 4896 running as many calls as we we're running in South Florida from I've talking to people for busy organizations. They say 2472 is better. Yes. Um, yes. From what I've never worked at 2472. Me neither. But I've had friends that have worked at 2448, 4896, 2472, mm-hmm. and they all like the 2472 the best. Um, okay. But yeah, I could, I, I wouldn't want a 4896 running as many calls as we, we did in South Florida. You just get run to the ground and okay. pretty much worthless. But I love it right now. Like, I didn't okay. know how to like it. I don't know how the wife was going to like me being gone mm-hmm. every, mm-hmm. every set, but she likes it better. She's like, you're home more, obviously home for four days. Even if you have to burn a day because you were busy, you still have three days to get stuff done around the house. You have time to decompress versus, you know, 24, 48, you're either coming off shift or there's the day before you're coming on shift. So you never yep. really get a day to just decompress and chill out. Absolutely. No, you're right. And and that's why I wanted to ask you. I like asking people because it yeah. is a, it, but the way you put it, it makes sense because I mean, 7,000 calls, that's, it's no I'm not trying to say that's nothing. That's that's right. still good, but you have the balance of you're not getting so overwhelmed, but you have your two days. Now, granted, I'm sure you have days where you're like, damn, like what's going on today? We're hopping. Yeah, but for sure. I think that the balance there of not running 30,000 to what you're running now. So, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, you're a back step, correct? Correct. Uh, do you ride an engine or, or a truck? A truck. Is that your love or? or? Yeah, man. I, I, like we talk about all the time, like when you first get on the job, the only thing you want to do is put out a fire. You want to pull that hose and put the fire out. Right. But after you've been doing it for a minute, I think at least me, I, I want to, I want to go in front of the hose line. I want to search ahead of the hose line. I kind of want to be able to have a uh, free range of movement and be able to do my thing. Right. Um, so truck work all day, if it's inside truck or outside truck work, I'd rather do that all day than pull a hose line. We call it a boat anchor. They call it a boat anchor in Georgia. (laughs) We tied to that thing. Right. Um, I'd rather go ahead of it, bring a water can and and send it, you know, I get a lot more work done a lot faster. Okay. Um, you guys ride three or four, uh, minimum is three. Sometimes you ride four. Sometimes. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, speaking of at what age or when did you have the inclination of, I want to try to be a Georgia smoke diver? Because hmm. for, for those that don't know, you you are one. I mean, you you had, you had the apparel on, I, I can see. And of course, I've seen that through your social media. But right. what was that like? And what age did you do it at? Um, so becoming a smoke diver has been the thing I've wanted to do probably for like I don't know, 10 years or so, okay. 10 plus years. It started out with trying to go to Florida. That was that because that's all I knew, right? You know, living in Florida, you hear about mm-hmm. Florida. Smoke Florida smoke, right. So I got a bunch of buddies that are Florida smoke divers and stuff like that. Um, I had, I finally went one time, attempted it one time and just bombed the pushups, which sounds pathetic and it sounds pathetic saying it out loud. So I didn't even get to make it in the show. I went home in the first two minutes. Um, so then, all right, I was like, all right, Roger that, um, ready to go next year, working on all that. I knew pushups was a weakness, so it's on my own fault for not working on that. And I was set to go for the next year. No excuse. They changed it to now they do a two day selection in September. 
Um, if you make the top 40, you go to Sunday. If you make the top 30, you make it to the class in January. Well, I had a trip scheduled to Montana during that first year of selection. And I already had moved it around for something in Montana. And I was not about to tell the wife, hey, we got to move our vacation because I got to go to Florida Smoke Diver Selection. So that's when I signed up for Georgia. Okay. Because, um, I, you know, through the last few years, you start hearing about Georgia. Georgia started mm -hmm. to pop off and mm -hmm. start hearing about it and stuff like that. Um, so I ended up going in February of 2022. So I had just turned 45 when I went. Okay. 45. So yeah, we're going to, I'm going to kind of lean off to the side a little bit and talk <laughs> about training and fitness, because that yeah. is, if anybody follows you, that is your, it doesn't matter. It, I've seen you out in your driveway with snow on the ground, moving snow, uh, summertime you're in gear you have gear uh you're working out with gear at your house so yep. how and you and you just say this was a very important topic for you so how yep. important is training and fitness for this job i mean i'm i'm gonna say it's the most important thing it's the the foundation of what makes a good fireman or not right people talk about having a clean place clean pressed uniform and all that. And you're like, Oh man, that guy looks sharp. But I think the, the first thing people see is whether you're fit or not. You know, if you see a sloppy fat out of shape fireman, that that's embarrassing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think fitness is the most important thing because you can't really be a good fireman and be effective at your job. If you're fat and out of shape, bottom line, bottom line. Um, and people, this, people get upset about this and, you know, and I don't care, you know, we're, we're here to do a job. We took the oath and most people just want to teach and I, maybe not most, but our circle is getting it's bigger. Not, right. Right. Our, our circle is definitely getting bigger of people who give a shit and who take the job seriously and are about the job, which I'm super happy about, but some just want the t-shirt and the sticker and say they're firemen. And Hey, I was like that too. The first few years of my career. I was just doing the same thing, not taking it seriously. So I, I know I can speak from experience, but about four years in, I started taking it seriously. I started working out in gear all the time. Um, so I think you have to be in gear. And then that's a hot topic now too, because of the PFAS and all PFAS, that stuff. Right. I'm like, all right, well, so you don't want to wear gear because of PFAS. Okay. Well, what are you cooking your stuff on? Oh, okay. The non-stick stuff. Okay. That's got PFAS in it. Tap water's got PFAS in it. Mm -hmm. Non-staining uh, freaking furniture material that's got PFAS in it. So are you really picking the PFAS or are you just saying you don't want to do stuff in gear because it's your weakness and you're not good at it, right? Mm -hmm. So that to me is an excuse. Um, and we can't hide behind that. And if that's how you think, then this is not the job for you, man. Um, that's like saying to a soldier, hey, you're going to send you overseas and you're going to go to war, but you can't freaking play with this gun and train on this gun till you get over there. It's scientifically irresponsible to assume people are going to rise to the occasion. It's not going to happen. Yep. Not going to happen. I mean, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, he talks about it. he has a ton of research based on that heart rate, fear versus stress induced for the military. It translates over to the fire service, too, man. Think about like training. How many trains you've been to live burns? They say, well, we can't burn over 500 degrees today. OK, well, you tell me what fire burns at 500 degrees. Maybe the oven when you're cooking your pizza, you know, <laughs> so the first time somebody sees a real fire and it's 1200, 1500 degrees, what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to perform well guaranteed so yeah man i'm super passionate about training and gear like i said 
I train in gear five, six times a week. I'll hardly ever work out not in gear unless I'm just like lifting or something as a secondary workout or something, just because I don't want to be that liability, right? I always tell like people listen in my old students back in Florida, you're either an asset or liability. Um, there's no in between. Now you could be a liability working to become an asset, but there's no in between. You're either are or you're not. I either want you on my crew or not. And, you know, that whole thing of do you want you rescuing you? Everybody wears a T-shirt and all that. But you see three, four hundred pound fire fighters, not going to call them firemen, wearing that shit. And it's like bullshit, man. Or they, <laughs> they got high speed gear. They got a twelve hundred dollar helmet, three hundred dollar radio strap. They got all the swag, right? All the swag head to toe. And they got a five dollar fitness, man. Come on. You, I'd rather you have shitty gear and be a stud than the other way around, you know? Facts, dude. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know some people's feelings might get hurt, but I, I'm sorry. You, this is not like, this is a profession where you need to check your ego and your feelings at the door. Granted, I'm not saying that you need to be disrespected, but if you show up out of shape, like you said, you're disrespecting the job and you're disrespecting yourself. I mean, yeah, and I, I haven't heard anybody put it that way, but it makes sense, man. They got the swag. Oh, I, yep. I got a nice shield, new yep. strap, but it's like, yep. ugh. You go to FDIC, you see it all the time, man. Just a sea of, of of fake posers, I call them. Cause they ain't about the job. They just about the swag, you know? And, you know, I take this stuff seriously, man. Like, yeah, I like to have fun and all that stuff too. But when that bell rings, it's like, they don't get to pick, Hey, I want, the A team. I want the freaking Navy SEALs to come save me or whatever. It's whoever Joe Schmo is working at the station that day and it's closest to that house. And it could be a shit, shit crew. Mm -hmm. They're just gonna be like, oh well, I hope, I hope we can figure it out. You know? Yeah. No, I not. mean it, it, it makes sense. It really does. It really does. Damn, five to six days out of the week, you're 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 training yeah. in gear. Yeah. yeah. I hardly probably could count with two hands. Days that I've not worked out in gear this year. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll squat and stuff like that or whatever. Right. Heavy, but that's like my second workout. I've already trained in gear, you know, just to stay acclimated, just to be an asset on the fire ground. Right. 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 Um, and when I was teaching down in South Florida at the fire academies, always working out in gear, you know, uh, John Spirit told me our job is to show them what's, what's possible. Right. And that I took it to heart, man. So I was working out gear, working out with them, just showing them, hey, this is what's possible if you put in the work and telling them why, right? You give them the reason why. And I think that carries a lot of weight once you tell somebody why. And then still to this day, I got old students sending me videos of them working out in gear and stuff. And they're hired and they're like, man, Academy was cake, man. Thanks. To, thanks for showing us that discipline and showing us about working out in gear and things like that. And, you know, that's what it's all about, you know hoping to inspire the the future firemen. Now with, with, with you training, like you do, uh, when you're on shift, do you, does your crew kind of look at you like, damn this dude? Cause I mean, I, I'm sorry, but you're 45 and I'm not trying to say that yeah, in a negative yeah. way that you're old, but it's, it's <laughs> just a Testament because I'm 38, I'm getting up there and I'm telling you every day I do something different. And back then, if I, if, if I, if, if I realize what I'm about to say now, back then I'd be like, man, I'm never going to say that. But dude, it's, it's tough when you get old or older, like yeah. you got places that hurt. 
that yeah. usually you'd be fine in like a day, but it's like shit on day three. I'm still feeling that little that little bit of soreness. So the fact that you're 45 and still doing it, it's just it, it's a testament to, to your discipline. Well, that's it, man. And I'm actually 46, about to be 47 in February. But like you said right there, you hit a nail on the head. It's all about discipline. I tell everybody motivation's fickle, man. It it comes and goes. Listening to music to work out, um, all that stuff. I started running back in the day because I ran a hundred miler back in 2019. Listening to Goggins, and he he stopped running with music, so I stopped running with music. You know, just oh, my man. own thoughts. Yeah, just me and my thoughts, and it was way better. And just leaning on that discipline, man. And yeah, there's days I don't feel like working out. I'm like, man, I don't feel like doing it, and I could easily not do it. Oh yeah, well I. I've done some cool shit. I've done some gangster stuff in the in my past, but it's not about what you've done. It's what you're doing now, right? And you'll see those guys that they 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 like. Back in my day, I used to be able to throw a football over over mountains, you know, or we would have won state if coach would have put me in type thing. Well, that's great, man. You used to be a stud, but what are you doing now, right? What are you doing now right. for you, for your crew, and to make people around you better? That's what I care about. I don't care about what you did in the past. Yeah, it might be super cool, awesome. Props to you. I'm not taking that away from you, but what are you doing today? Man, running with no music, dude. I don't know if I can do that. Honestly, yeah, like, like yeah, my wife could. does it. She does it, and I'm like, you're fucking crazy. I got. I mean, <laughs> I got to give it a shot, but like, music, man. Like, it just it's my getaway zone. I just like focus on what I'm doing, and I gotta have tunes. And so, like, yeah. when you do your workouts in front of the house, no music. It's just you. You and uh, sometimes like now it's like sometimes like if I'm training for something specific, like when I was training for Georgia, no music, zero music, just me and my thoughts. Um, Cause you know, like when you're running and you're listening to music, unless you pick a uh, certain cadence, music songs or whatever, like, so you, you could hear it of songs subconsciously it's upbeat. So you start running faster and you're not paying attention to your breathing. So now your pace is going to be all jacked up. So it affects you subconsciously. So when I stop listening to music for running, I concentrate on my breathing. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm breathing a little fast. Maybe I need to concentrate and bring that down. So kind of same thing with working out and gear and stuff. Cause when you're grinding and it's a, it's a, I mean, I, I want to quit a lot of times during my workouts. And, you know, if you're just you and your thoughts, it's like, okay. So I'm building that mental resiliency at the same time, which is, I think, if as important or more important than your physical. Uh, physical stuff because if you if your mind is weak you could be a stud and you see it all the time like the seals talk about all the time and you see it all the time in georgia smoke diver selection and stuff you'll have specimens but as soon as anything starts getting a little hard or a little difficult or you're challenged they quit because they're not building that mental resiliency man so you have to build that mental resiliency that's what's going to get you through and i think that's what kind of helps me being older you know 46 like, all right, well, yeah, this is going to suck. Or, yeah, I'm hurting right now, but F it. I got to get it done. I kind of call it that Goggins mentality, man. Dude, man. That, that dude's kind of yeah. fuck. He's a, he's a savage. He's a savage. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't the reason think I ran my 100. He was talking about running, and my buddy was like, hey, let's let's run a 50. And then he was running the 100, and we were training, knocking out 30-something mile runs. And he's like, dude, you should just do the 100. I'm like, all right, stay hard. Let's take some souls. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's probably safe to say you did complete your hundred. I did. I did. Oh. Yeah, um, just, just under the time cap. 29 hours and 32 minutes is 30 hour time cap. 
Kudos, man. Dang, kudos. Um, and I, I, I don't want you to divulge to divulge any specifics, but sure. when you knew you're you're gonna attempt a Georgia smoke diver, what was your program like? What was your regimen for yourself to get you ready? Um, so me and my buddies, we had a group, and we would just send each other crazy workouts, and just like literally, we'd come up with the craziest, hardest things we could possibly think of and yeah georgia on their website has a couple staple workouts so we hit those and stuff too but mm-hmm. just in gear and i'm not talking like 15 20 minute gear workouts i'm talking like an hour you know mm-hmm. hour and a half long workouts in gear and then multiple workouts a day as it's getting closer you know um because i tell people all the time and you know I'm, I'm we'll never give a secret away or divulge anything or anything like that about the program but you you cannot prepare people or train for the amount of volume and the intensity that's going to happen during this course. I mean, you're in gear 10, 12 hours a day. You can't train for that. So again, what helps you get through that? Your mental resiliency. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, I was just in gear all the time, every day, all day, multiple times a day. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. All right. Talking to you and other people that, that have been through smoke diver programs, it's just, it's a, it's a, trying to think of the word it's a i don't know man that's just fucking badass <laughs> i'm sorry because <laughs> i mean it's yeah it's, 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 it's a lot and i'm sure it going through the smoke diver program prepares you for those tough days when you're on the fire ground when you're like oh man you know it just to, to me it it'll it'll allow you to perform better better composure to keep yourself from getting overhyped and yep. focused yeah and like you know you hear chief, uh, chief david rose talk about all the time if you complete the program it gives you about five to six years of firefighting experience because of all the scenarios and all the evolutions right so it's not it's i like to tell people it's not just a a macho contest to see who could put up with the most pt on hand because it's not about that right mm-hmm. it's you mental and physical resiliency pushing you past your limits and then some and teaching you how to deal with that Right. Because that's what a fire is. A fire is a hostile environment that you have zero control of. And not every fire, no fire is ever the same. Right. So just because you fought 10 fires over here, your next one's not going to be the same. Right. So it teaches you how to build that mental resiliency when you're tired, when you're getting your shit pushed in, and you still have to make thoughtful decisions, critical decisions, and be effective on that fire. That's what it teaches you, man. And you come out of there super confident in your skills as a firefighter, not cocky, just confident, like, Hey, shit's going sideways. Okay. I can handle this. I could deal with this. Right. And that's what I love about it, man. A lot of people get the misconception that it's just a, a macho PT contest and we're just there to like degrade people and stuff like that. And it's not about that. Right. Yeah. They have to push you and see what you're about. Right. If, if you get a little resistance or people talking shit to you for a minute, and you can't handle that, what do you think is going to happen in a fire? Sure. This whole rise to the occasion is bullshit. You don't rise to the occasion of anything. Nobody does, right? So it's it's a great course. It's the best thing I've ever done. Hardest thing I've ever done physically and mentally, but it's also the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I'll, I love it. I love the program. And I, I always tell people, man, if you're even thinking about doing it, do it. Do it. it takes I say it takes about a year of training um to be give you a fair shot mm-hmm. um but you know everything is everything is fair there's standards and if you don't meet the standards you go home which i'm all about 
I think the fire service is getting uh, away from that as yeah. a whole, like lowering the standards because we got to get X, Y, and Z people in and all this kind of stuff. And we forget that this is a hostile job. It's called firefighting for a reason. It's not fire hanging out or fire cuddling. It's called firefighting. And if you lower the standard, which a lot of the fire service is doing, then your results show, right? And people die, people get hurt. And at the end of the day, this is this is a life and death job that we have. And we have to take it seriously. So, but yeah, man, anybody that's thinking about going to the program, check it out, man. It's awesome. It'll be the best thing you ever did. Uh. There are a couple other smoke diver programs. Have you thought about doing any of those or you're like, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, well, so Indiana and Oklahoma are sister programs of Georgia. Okay. So um, I'm not really thinking about doing that. I do got to go back to Florida. Um, I feel like I got some unfinished business since I didn't get into the show. So I got to myself, right. I'd like to okay. go back. Um, but yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, no, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, mention real quick. Uh, we got a Rick, Rick Swales out here in Colorado. He uh, is an OG Georgia smoke diver, and he's got permission from Georgia to start a Colorado smoke diver program that's going to be a sister program as well. So we're just trying to get more guys to complete the Georgia smoke diver program that live in Colorado. So we have enough cadre to start one, man. So I'm super stoked about that. And gotcha. Super excited gotcha. to help him out however I can, man. So gotcha. Like Mile high smoke divers is pretty cool. <laughs> that, it, I, it's, it has a nice ring to it, right? And 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 I tell you, the first person, <laughs> which I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to put any pressure on him, but the first person I can think of, if, if you do get this going, to go through it, in my mind, would be John Spare. Yeah, well, he's a. I hope he's a smoke diver before then, brother. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you see a promotion in your future or are you good riding the rest of your career in the back? So they asked me that in my interview. Right. Um, and I just said, man, I just want to come to Colorado, ride backwards and do cool fireman stuff. Um, so as of right now, no, I'm not okay. saying it's not right. Possibility down the road, but my ambition right now is just being an awesome backstep fireman and then sharing what's been taught to me with our guys. Right. Um, because I feel like I wish I would have had people not just like me, because I'm not the be all of anything, but I wish I had people showing me and teaching me as I was coming up. Right. It didn't happen until later in my career. So all these new guys and stuff, I'm like, hey, you, you want to see something that I I got shown? Cool. If you like it, cool. You know, if it doesn't mm -hmm. work, no big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, man, that's no no ambition just yet. Things could change. You know, um, I love training. I, I love training, so maybe maybe training position sometime down the road. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, with that being said, that was going to be my next question. What's your niche? What do you like to teach? Oh, man. Um, I love search. Okay. I love search. Like we call it, we call it inside truck work in uh, South Florida. So inside truck work, searching. Um, I'm really good at ladders. Just uh, gotten really good over the years. I do a mile, uh, a ladder raises every July. Um, so I'm pretty efficient at it. Um, so I, I'd say those two are my favorite things. Okay. Uh, 
to me, there are no, well, I mean, some people might disagree, but to me, there are no like stupid questions, but how do you calculate when you hit a mile of throwing ladders? I've always wanted to know that. Yeah, no worries. Um, so in Florida, we had 24s. Okay. So you, uh, you know, high shoulder spike and we did it in the middle of like the, the concrete. There's no up against the building. No. Okay. If, if okay. You're just starting, starting, no big deal. You throw it up against the building. Cool. Um, but so you high shoulder it, spike it, raise it, lower it. If you did it 22 times a shift for 10 shifts, you multiply 22 times, times 24, times 10, and it equals 5,280 feet. Now, for all the nerds out there, I get it that I'm not literally raising a 24-foot ladder 24 feet because you're only raising it 10 feet. I understand that. Get it. You're still throwing the ladder 220 times in a month. Trust me, you're going to get way better and more efficient. So there's people that try to call me out on that. I'm like, well, I don't see you throwing any ladders, so pound sand, right? <laughs> uh, and then in, in Colorado, we have 28s here. So if you do it 19 times a day, but we work 4896s. So if you do it 19 times day one, 19 times day two, uh -huh. times the five sets you work in the month, it actually gives you a little bit more than 5280. What about if you do 24s? 24s? Uh-huh. You do 22 uh, a 24 hour period. 22. Okay. Just writing some notes down because we got 28s. We got we got a 28. And man, I'm so I was used to 24s. And then when uh I transferred over <clears throat> to the truck and we got our new ladder, it had a 28. And I was like, oh shit. All right. And uh the weight difference is not bad, but you definitely had to get it's used to, yeah. to throwing it. Um, I'm not trying to boast. I, I can throw it. I feel pretty confident in my throwing skills. I'm still trying to work on a high shoulder 35 throw. Bro, yes. like I fucking scarred right. up my shoulder through turnout gear. Of right. course, I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? But I just kept trying and trying. And so I got some tips. People are like, hey, more momentum. It's one thing I'm still, I haven't gotten it yet. And it kind of right. bothers me, but I had a comment. Somebody sent me a comment that was like, hey, man, if you can also just carry it how you carry it, throw it against the building and use the building as leverage to raise it, which I can, but yeah. I still want to try to just right. one time, I just want to do it. <laughs> fuck, man, them 35s, I don't care what Alkalite says, them bitches feel like they they weigh more than that. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I'm I'm in high shoulder at 35. I don't think I'm going to. Oh, well, you know, I feel better now because you're a big <laughs> <Yeah>. motherfucker. So. <laughs> so, no, man. Okay. As far as the ladders and stuff go, we do it every July. Actually, Logan Broberg, he's the guy that put me on this challenge years ago. Mm -hmm. and it started turning into like a yearly challenge. Um, so I'll put it out on social media. Hey, we're going to do it. Let me know if you want to join it. And then I'll keep track of everybody that joins it. And then everybody that completes it within the month, I put into a lottery and I always ask companies to like donate awesome prizes and stuff like that. Um, last year we had a Montana knife company actually donated a badass knife. And then John Spear, of course, from fit to fight fire donated some stuff. So uh, it makes it kind of fun. Right. And then I'll have people tell me, man, like, Hey, I thought I was pretty good at ladders. Um, I found out I really wasn't. And by the time that month is over, man, you're so efficient and comfortable with throwing ladders. It's zero factor, like no thought uh, needed. And I've had people send me pictures of them, like catch fires. And they're like, we threw ladders and dude, I threw ladders and didn't even think about it. I just threw it 
where it needed to go. And it was so easy. And that's what it's all about, man. Just getting super comfortable and efficient at basic stuff, throwing a ladder. Like everybody says, oh yeah, I can throw a ladder. Okay, let's see. You know, I'm not bragging or trying to put anybody down. Like people say, hey, uh, I'm not good at it. Well, hey, why don't you and your crew do a mile for the month? You know, because 22 is a lot and it, it taxes your grip and all that stuff. So, hey, start as a crew. Cool. And then maybe next year you do it by yourself or whatever, you know. I like but, that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. Like I said, I feel a lot better now. I really do. And I'm not like trying to downplay, but dude, like yeah. you, don't, you don't understand. Like I would try it and I'm like, how in the fuck do I mean, there's some studs out there. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm a buck 79, buck 80. Right. And I'm just like, man, it's 35. Like I can throw it, but I have to utilize a building as leverage to do it. Right. But as far as like just high shoulder it. Ooh. Yeah. We had, we had a guy that could do it, but he was also like six, four, which helps. And he's a big dude. Um, so being tall helps. I haven't tried it. Like I said, I'm not, my ego is okay. I don't need to need to see if I can. I mean, I probably could uh-huh. not saying it'd be easy, but I probably could uh-huh. on it, but I got nothing to prove with the 35. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, you mentioned Logan, man. I, I I was able to meet him at Tennessee. Yeah. Fucking stud. Uh, yeah, man. I'm done it for you. Real okay, real yeah. he's a real deal, man. Like yeah. he's an awesome dude. Awesome okay. dude. Okay. Yeah. Great um, guy. Awesome fireman. Just became a Georgia smoke diver this past February, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um how how tight knit is that like once you become because i've heard chief road say before uh whenever they have the program restarted um when it when people are available they come back no nobody gets paid you you guys do it because it's just that that camaraderie but like how tight knit it's because it seems to be like i've interviewed you now um uh noah katz from phoenix who's a smoke diver i met him in November, yep. Oh, you did? Awesome. Okay. Okay. Awesome, okay. Um just, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also a smoke diver. Yeah. Um, it just seems like you guys are just like that tight, that tight knit group. Uh, is that yeah something they, they teach or <laughs> I don't know about teaching, but they always say like if you if you become successful and uh, complete the program, they ask you to come back and volunteer your time, right? Like you were saying, nobody gets paid. This last class uh, in November was my first time back as uh, part of the cadre. And we had over 100 instructors every day there giving back to the program. And that's what makes the program so great, man. Um, when you're in the class, you're not you, you notice there's a bunch of instructors, but you don't really notice because you're, you're you're focused. You're doing your thing. You're in your own suffering and uh, trying to make it happen. Right. But it's crazy how much work goes behind scenes to make that program run and give the students the same experience that you had right because we don't want to water it down or anything like that right and yeah let's say you and i were in the class together our experiences are going to be different because mm-hmm. we experience stuff differently but still giving them the overall experience the same and yeah as far as like tight man once you become a smoke diver it's like a, a brotherhood right and i i was just talking to a guy that just graduated and he's like man i didn't realize how tight and awesome of a brotherhood it is he's like everybody's welcoming and you know, like caring and stuff like that. And then like, I was just there in November and I met probably five to 10 guys that I was friends on social media with that I'd never met before mm-hmm. smoke divers. And like chief Tennyson was one of them. We'd been friends on social media for a while. First time I met him, 
and just down to earth dudes, man. We're all just down to earth dudes having a good time, having fun that like to do hard shit and love our job and are into the job, man. And just, it's just awesome being around that kind of people, man. Okay. Uh, I did have a personal question. If you can't answer it, it's cool. I just, yep. I'm going to ask it anyways. Sure. Uh, that tiller, or I'm pretty sure I've seen pictures of, there's a ladder truck or a tiller truck that says GA Smoke Diver. Is that owned by like y'all? Like, do you guys have your own facility for that? Or do you use somebody's facility for, for, for those events? So there is a tiller. It does say George Smoke Diver on it. I think we own it. I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me. Okay. Um, but our, we do it. Um, the George Smoke Diver program is at Dalton Fire and Rescue their facility so they're super supportive and i don't want to speak out of turn or anything like that because i don't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i just know from what the like chief Rhodes and all those say dalton is always supportive of the program and lets us use their training facility let us use their bay and that station that's at that training facility so i know dalton is super supportive and huge part without dalton this program wouldn't be happening i did not know that there's a station at that training facility yeah 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 that's there, fucking there's badass. crews there there's crews there the whole time, you know? Okay. So that's super badass. awesome. Yeah. It's awesome that they let us, uh, let, let us use that. And then Dalton has a bunch of smoke divers also, obviously. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, right there in your back door. Sure. You yeah. should. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know you wanted to talk about your fitness program. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, floor is yours, man. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Um, uh, it's something I've been kind of thinking about doing for a while because fitness is my wheelhouse. I went to Arizona state and got a, a bachelor's degree in exercise science and kinesiology. So I've been doing some custom online programming. Um, but like talking to Logan again, he's been awesome help with this and basically walked me through how to set it all up. And he just launched a program to road firemanship, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, he's been super helpful and he helped me start basically on the website and everything. So I started a hard knocks hitters, 12 week training program designed to improve fire ground performance. And it's all gear specific stuff. Um, and this program I wrote to uh, not require a lot of equipment because mm-hmm. not everybody has a row or not everybody has an assault bike. You know, they don't have a whole setup like I do in my gym. Right. So I kind of wrote this one with minimal stuff. You need, you know, gear. If you have gear, awesome. Weight vest, awesome. Mass cool, uh, squat rack, you know, and like some dumbbells and, Basically, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, I just launched it not even a week ago. It's on my Instagram page and there's a link on it in the bio. Um, and like I said, it's just a 12 week training program um, designed to make you better on the fire ground, man. And that's okay. pretty much it. So thank you. Thank you for letting me talk about that. I appreciate oh, yeah, it. Yeah, man. No, you're fine. It's fine. I mean, like spreading the good word, you know, I mean, I, there, are, there are individuals out there who who because not everybody knows what to do when it comes to fitness. Right. Oh, and I understand that there, there, there needs to be fitness coaches out there. People that tell you, yeah, man, this is, this is what I do. This is what you can do. So all, all what you and Logan and okay. others are doing, you're just trying to help the physical fitness portion of the fire service, which is much needed. You cannot be somewhat physically fit for this job. So all that's right. doing is just is just helping helping individuals. And it also in return helps the department, helps the crew, and the most important mission helps the community when when that time arrives. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um gotten a lot of like questions and stuff. Um, because you'll get certain departments or certain officers that almost basically tell you you can't work out or training gear. And they're like, how do I overcome that? And I'm like, well, 
that's a tough road to navigate, right? Um, mm -hmm. I can't tell you specifically how to navigate that besides trying to maybe educating them on why it's important, but that's a, you know, if they're already hard, fast set on that, I feel like it's going to be an uphill battle to try to convince them otherwise. And especially if you have like an officer directly telling you, Hey, don't do this. Or if there's directives, you've seen directives out there that um, don't let their crews work out or training gear, which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen or heard of in my life. Yeah. Um, fire departments in South Florida, they had a heat index factor that if the heat index was higher than X, I don't know the number you couldn't train. I'm like, well, every day is higher than that in South Florida. Like, what are we doing? You know, fire does not care. does not discriminate. It, it'll take the studdest of studs. I mean, look, J. Michael Mueller, man, he was in our Georgia smoke dryer class. That dude was a stud. And, and look what happened, man. He tragically died in a house fire. So the fire does not care, but guess what? He had the best chance of survival because he was fit and into the job and loved the job and was trained all the time. Now take somebody that's fat and out of shape, guess what? They have zero chance. You're literally playing Russian roulette with your life and everybody else's life. Um, that, that's, that's, that's facts. And, and it is kind of crazy if you, if, if there are agencies out there that tell you you can't train in gear, because the way I look at it, that's the only way you <laughs> can get better at it. Like you, yeah. cause I remember seeing it at first when I, and I was like training in gear, like actually working out in gear, like, why would you do that? And then I started doing it. And then it's like, okay, mm. because your first time you do it, you're going to be like, fuck, I'm gassed. Yeah. And it's all that heat build up, that heat trap, yeah. especially if you do it in the summertime yep. uh, when it's hot and humid. But long term, think about it. It's the only way where you can go, okay, I can go 15, 20 minutes without um, taking a break because you've gotten used to it. And a testament would be uh, I have a friend of mine who um, I actually, kind of copied him. He would always work out with a sweatshirt on or a vest just to keep that heat build up. And right. uh, they had a fire and he was like, bro, I performed flawlessly. Like wearing the gear, it was like nothing to him. And he was like, yeah. it's all because I just started training in, in shit that would, you know, a couple layers, multiple layers. Even if yeah. you can't, even if you can't get your gear and I understand, you know, some departments are stringent on taking yeah. gear home and things of that nature. But all it takes is a, a sweatshirt, a couple layers of shirts underneath, and yep. you're good. Like that that heat trap, it makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. 100%, man. And it, putting on gear should be zero factor. Like it should be zero factor. Like putting it on should not affect your performance at all. Right now, physiologically, I know it's going to increase your heart and all stuff. But if you're mm -hmm. used to doing it every day, it's not going to be a big deal. Um, and yeah, like some departments don't give grinder gear. We have grinder gear. So I have grinder gear. I don't usually train or work out in my frontline gear. Cause one, I'm not trying to ruin three to $5,000 set of gear, like doing bear crawls and, and tripod search slides and screwing up my gear, you know? So I always have, uh, grinder gear. Some people are like, well, what if my department doesn't have grinder gear? Jump on eBay, get some expired gear, a couple hundred bucks. You should be good to go. Um, it all depends how bad you want it. Um, yeah. right. Ask some buddies, you know, whatever. But yeah, if you got no gear, if they won't let you do that. Sweatshirts is the best way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will attest to uh don't use your actual gear. <laughs> your private <laughs> don't use your primary gear to do workouts, even though it's the best intentions. Yeah, you're gonna fuck that shit up. Um, trust yeah. me, I know from experience. I'll I'll leave it at that. But um no, man. Uh is there anything else you, you want to talk about? Anything else you want to say? Like I said, this is 
this is your time to get any message out there for anybody you think that needs to hear. Uh, no, man, I'm just trying to spread the word as, as far as, uh, the physical and mental mindset, man, and how important that is to us in our career and being successful and being good firemen. And, and that all starts with your fitness, right? And we talked about it earlier and I just can't stress that enough. You have to be fit. Now there's a difference of looking fit and being fit, right? Cause you, you I don't do beach body workouts. I'm not doing chest and back or buys and tries or any of that kind of stuff. Cause it does zero good for me on the fire ground, right? So mm -hmm. pretty much everything I do has to translate to how is it going to correlate on the fire ground, right? Um, now, you, you see it all the time. You see the dudes that are jacked and just shredded and everything, and you put them in gear and they're done in five minutes. All right, man, well, that's cool. Great. Now go sit in rehab, right? And we're going to go do work. So I, I, you you have to treat it as this is we're professional athletes. We are getting paid lots of money to do our job and to be professional athletes. So we need to train like it, right? We need to train in gear. We need to do live fire scenarios that are actually hot. And we need to do actual scenarios, not live fire. I get it with the 1403, but whatever, with live victims, because we're we're putting training scars on our guys in fire academies and coming up with dummies, right? The yep. hard plastic dummies. So all they know is feel hard plastic dummies. So the first time they actually feel a body that's limp, lifeless in a zero vis condition guess what they might pass it over because they're not mm -hmm. used to it. um and i understand the 1403 i understand that but when you're training these guys and just blacked out mask or whatever put live bodies in there um so it's all the little stuff right and we're handcuffed a lot of times by the states that we live in like florida is one of them we're we're teaching stuff at the fire academies that if i had a dollar for every time i said this isn't how we do it in the real world but we have to teach you how to pass the test like what are we doing guys? You know, we're setting them up for failure from the get. And then if you're not letting them train, right. Or having real life training scenarios and don't tell people what the training scenario is, just roll up on it like a real actual fire. Cause everybody wants to know, Hey, what's, what's the training scenario? What are we doing? Where's, where's the VIX at? All right. Where, where are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody likes the unknown. Nobody likes it, but we have to start training like that. Right. Like any top tier agency, special ops or whatever, they don't, they don't take this lightly, man. They're making their training harder. Jocko talks about it all the time. He's like, I made my training harder for my guys than what they were going to see in war. Going to war, right? You're getting shot at and shooting and killing people. We're fighting fire, not quite as crazy, but it's still a hostile environment that we need to train for. And if we're not, we're letting our citizens down, which pay us a ton of money, give us awesome equipment, and we're letting us down and our families down, right? If I have a guy on my crew that's slacking, and guess what? Now I'm going to have to pick up his slack so I could potentially not go home because of him or her. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And people aren't taking this seriously. Well, some people aren't. Right. I think the circle is getting bigger and what you're doing is awesome because you're helping spread that awesome word and getting awesome guys on here that are into the job and love it and, and trying to spread that word, man. And that's I appreciate that. And thank you very much for having me, man. I'm super humble. No, man, I, I appreciate you you coming on, accepting the invite. But man, I dude, when you said it, I, I laughed because I, I've been, I've been there. I've heard that. All right, hey, we have X and Y Z training today. Okay. And then you hear somebody go, hey, or they ask the last crew, hey, where yep. was where was this at? Or whatever. And it's just it's funny. It's funny because it's it's fucking it's true. true. Yeah. It's true. And people call out sick. Like I used to we used to do live fire scenarios for certain departments and Every Monday and Wednesday, they would come, right? And certain guys would call out, call out. Yeah, like clockwork. 
yeah, man. It's like, what are you doing? You call out because you're training? Then why are you doing this? Oh, because you like the schedule and the paycheck? Yeah, okay. I see you, right? Um, yep. So, yep. Okay. Yeah, man. We need more people like you, man, helping spread the word and and uh, and sharing sharing this uh, passion, this passion for the fire service and being being serious about it. I, like I said, I, I appreciate the words, but most importantly, I appreciate you coming on and and and, and talking the gospel for others to hear. Um, this has been a great conversation, and like I said, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.